I want you to go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 4. This morning I'm going to be talking about the walk. Um, simple title to my message today is The Walk. And I want to talk to you today about walking with Christ. And I just feel like there's something that we need today um, in our walk. Uh, I believe some of us today find ourselves in a place where we, we've given our life to Jesus. However long ago we gave our life to Jesus and we made a decision to follow after him. But since then, some time has passed and maybe some things have become a little uh, gray. Maybe some things have become a little shady. Uh, maybe you don't feel as close to him as, as the day you gave your life to him. Uh, maybe there's some of you here today that you've just kind of, you've been walking with Christ, but it's just gotten a little stale. Um, I, just, I just want you to know that I know the struggle is real. I think Jesus knew the struggle was going to be real. That, that when we made a decision to follow after him, there was going to be some bumps in the road. How many of you would say, I hit a few bumps this week, Pastor? How many of you say, uh, my life feels like it's one big bump? <laughs> Travis and Elizabeth can't say nothing. They're just getting back off a honeymoon. Can we give them a big hand this morning? Come on, they were married weekend before last. Just so excited about them. Just got back from the beach, got a tan. We're over here freezing in these crazy temperatures. And Anyway, glad to see you guys are back. Hope you had a blast. So proud of you. Beautiful wedding. Beautiful families, just a great time. So, so we, we made a decision to walk with Christ. Maybe some of you are here today and you've never made that decision. Uh, well, listen to me, I'm glad you're here because I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I want to give you a chance to follow Christ. Uh, maybe you've never had the chance or the opportunity before. Maybe you've never taken it when it was given to you. But anyway, today I want to talk about our walk with Christ and in, and in Matthew chapter 4, I want you to go to verse 18. And I want to show you something about how Jesus expects us to walk. How many of you would say or agree with this, that Jesus, when he's going somewhere, he expects his followers to follow? Right? If you say you're going to follow somebody, that means that you actually have to go where they go. Right? You have to almost do what they do and you begin to say what they say because you're following that person. So watch this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, say at once, and followed him. So Jesus is walking along the shore, and he sees Peter, and he sees Andrew, and he says to him, Hey, come follow me. The day you met Jesus, he was standing on the shore of your life, and he said to you, Hey, come follow me. And so the day you made the decision to follow Jesus, you heard something, you felt a draw, you felt a pull, because no man comes to Christ on his own terms. You only come when you're invited or when he draws you in. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus shouted to you one day. He said, hey, come follow me. 
And in that moment, you made a decision at once to drop what you were doing and follow after Jesus, right? But some time has come and some time has passed and you're, you're following maybe at a different distance today. Maybe you're following at a different pace. Maybe you've been hurt and wounded and you're sitting on your blessed assurance crying and feeling sorry for yourself today. I don't know where you're at, but somebody's somewhere. Amen. So Jesus says to come, follow me. And watch this. He's talking to fishermen. So he speaks their language. He says, and I'll show you how to catch people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. It happens again. Verse 21. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately, say immediately, followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. When Jesus pulls on your heart, when Jesus calls your name, when he says to come and follow you or follow him, you you are forced to make a decision. In that moment, you're either going to say, nah, I'm not ready. Or you're going to say, I'm gone. Right? And what these brothers did is they dropped everything. Watch this. And they dropped everybody. They left the daddy. High and dry. <laughs> you can fix him nets by yourself. I'm following Jesus. <laughs> Some of you will only do that when you get mad at your daddy. But they did it out of love to follow Christ. So when Christ calls your name to follow him, you're called to follow him and to leave behind things that don't need to go on the journey. Right? So the question today is, what are you carrying with you that you were supposed to leave behind? You see, I don't doubt that you asked Jesus into your life. I don't doubt that you answered the call when he called for you and you got up and you decided to follow him. But some of you have got these big old Santa Claus looking bags and you're trying to keep up with Jesus. But you got these bags. And you can't keep up and life is getting harder and harder. And you just your life looks like this. I want to follow Jesus. Wait. And you just won't let go. You won't let go. What are you holding on to? That you know you're supposed to let go of. Is it a relationship? Is it a person? Is it your reputation? Are you still ashamed to be seen as a follower of Christ? Maybe it's something somebody said to you. Maybe your bag is filled with lies. That your family and and, and people you used to love have spoken over you. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's suffering. 
Maybe it's false doctrine. Some of you are still carrying around religion, thinking that I got to be good for God to love me. And you can't keep up because you can't be good enough for God to love you. You can never be good enough for God to love you. Why? Because he already loves you. He already made up his mind about you. He made up his mind about you when you was waddling in the mud. You see, when people come to my house to buy pigs, I like to try to clean the pigs up before I sell them so they can see what they're getting. But the problem is you can never clean the pig good enough. And like my brother-in-law says, pig don't wash off, it wears off. Some of you are locked up this morning in your past. You've been dragging your past so long that everybody around you is tired of hearing about your past. Every word that comes out of your mouth is about your past. But you don't know. They go, oh, Lord, here we go. They can tell you about your past better than you can. But you don't know what they said. Yes, I do. I know what they said. I've heard it a thousand times. That's your other best friend. He's the one you hang out with the most. His name is past. And y'all are tight. Too tight. When When Jesus calls your name, he wants you and he expects you to leave some things, to leave some things behind. To let some things go. Listen to me, I'm not close to my family anymore. My blood relatives. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel sorry for myself. Because I don't get to be there with them anymore. They're the people I grew up with. I made them mad at one time. And then I I told, I got mad at God because I made a decision that made them mad. And God rebuked me and said, I don't care about your family. I rescued you from that family. And I'm calling you from that into something else. And some of you today, you're not going to ever get to that something else until you let go of that thing that you've been dragging. Right? So what has he called you to leave behind that you haven't left behind? There's nothing secret about following Jesus. Right? There's no deep spiritual thing to following somebody. It's not mystical. It's not even complicated. I'm going to show it to you. Come see, Jen. Stand right here. I want you to follow me. Close as you can. Now, she'll do this. If I tell her to follow me close, she's going to trip me. Now, follow me. Right? What am I, what's she doing? She's just going wherever I go. Right? If I want to go in circles... Right? If I want to go fast, she follows. Is there anything hard about that? You can sit down. Thank you. Doesn't she look nice today? 
Nothing complicated. To follow somebody simply means to go wherever they go. It just means to do whatever they do. I heard a great definition about sin the other day. Sin is anything that Jesus wouldn't do. Wow. Man, Pastor, that's deep. Sin is just simply not doing what Jesus wouldn't do. Christianity is just simply following Christ and wherever he goes, because listen to me, he's intentional and he's planning on you being there with him. He's planning on you being close. When me and Ethan go work in the yard, I'm a man on a mission. I walk fast. I move fast for a big guy. And I give instructions as I'm moving. Watch this. I'm going. I'm trying to get to the pig pen. I say, hey, Ethan, I need you to grab this. I need you to grab that. We got to go knock this out. If he doesn't stay close enough, he's left with, huh? What? What? And I'm sad to say, but he usually gets a, go get this. (laughs) Sometimes I have to look back and say, catch up. If you want to hear what I got to say, you got to be close. Come on, somebody. Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus has a plan for your life. It's not to sit still on your blessed assurance. Amen. It's to keep moving. He's got intentions for you. He's constantly setting you up day by day. He's setting appointments for you to run into people that need to see the glory of God. And you're the one that's carrying the glory of God. If you don't show up, they don't see it. Come on now. Jesus' intentions were for the disciples to follow him. And as they followed him, he was going to teach them how to catch people. His mission for you is people. Your greatest purpose on this planet is people. Not you. When you stepped out of the boat and you left the net and your daddy, it it quit being about you. Pastor, who's going to take care of me? He is. Because when you're with him, you got everything you need. You drag too far behind, you may be late. You stay close, you're right on time. Listen, if we're going to the restaurant and I'm following somebody, I'm following close. I'm riding a bumper, right? And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm focused. I got my foot on, on the gas and it's ready to go to the brake in case they make a quick stop, right? But if I need something and the person in front of me has it, I'm staying close. He's got everything that you need. Victory, healing, deliverance, freedom, yoke-breaking power. Death rising power. He's got everything that you need. The things that are in your life and are dead, he can raise them up. We serve a God that still raises the dead. 
We follow a Savior who walked through death. He experienced death to the fullest. Three days. And rose again. No matter where you're at today, you can rise again. If you'll follow Christ, you'll rise again. If you'll let go of your past, you'll rise again. We're called to be followers. It's simple. You do what he does. You go where he goes. He's always going somewhere. He's planning on you following. So you know what that means? If I know that people are following me, that means I lead differently. I lead with them in mind. So Jesus didn't just mash the pedal and take off and hope that you would keep up. He's leading with you in mind. Now you have the responsibility to keep up. You have the responsibility to stay close. It's all on you. His grace is with you. You're following in the wind or the vacuum of the grace of God. When your intentions and your heart is set to follow Christ and that's your focus for your life, then the grace of God is like, it's like getting behind an 18-wheeler, a big box truck. You ever, you ever try that on the highway? In a little car? You used to have a Volkswagen Jetta? I fit. Yeah, Doug, I fit. Did. But I would, yes, I could get out. And back in. I had to roll out and roll back in. So, but I had to sell it. I outgrew it. But I would get, I would get behind an 18-wheeler. Now, you'd always hear about this. It's called a draft, right? You start drafting. They use it in NASCAR. They, they get right up behind somebody, and then there's a vacuum on the car in front of you. It's going so fast that it's creating a vacuum behind it that is sucking you in. If you get close enough, you'll get sucked in. So, man, it's kind of nerve-wracking when you're trying that. I wouldn't suggest you do this today. Just take my word for it. It's pretty cool, but it's dangerous. So I got up close to this 18 wheel man, and my, my little Volkswagen is screaming, Wing! and I'm like, my, I gotta get. And so I let off, and I drift back. I was like, man, I'm not close enough. Wing! And I get a little bit closer, and, and, it, and, it, and it wouldn't work. So then I got a little bit closer, and I was very, very uncomfortable. You see, when you follow Christ, you're going to get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable needs to be your normal. I got uncomfortably close to this 18-wheeler. And I felt it. It was the coolest thing ever. I let off the fuel, and I kept going. I almost wanted to go, ha! But common sense kicked in. My point is, is when you follow Christ closely, when, you're, when your heart is set to follow Christ, when you're looking forward and you're being intentional about staying close to him, there's this draft. I'm just telling you, there's a draft that comes. It's called Grace. here's the thing the draft never stops it's just whether or not you're close enough because you see i had to make a conscious decision to ease off the accelerator and to move back to a place of comfort 
and safety and security for me. I wasn't, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel secure. I didn't feel comforted. Come on now. Being that close to Jesus, it made me uncomfortable. It made me feel things that I didn't like to feel. I wasn't familiar with them. I wanted to go back to what I was familiar to or familiar with, right? And that's how our relationship with Jesus goes. Sometimes you get close, but then you get uncomfortable and you move back. Because somebody told you uncomfort is bad. I mean, listen to me. The disciples left their jobs to follow Jesus, and he didn't even say he was going to pay them. Right? They had no clue what they were about to walk through. They didn't know. Peter didn't know that one day he would deny Jesus. Right? Crazy things happen when you follow Christ. I guess you could look at that and say Christianity was never meant to be boring. It was never meant to be boring. Christianity is not coming to church on Sunday. Even though some of you have a bad habit of not being here all the time. Get you some of that. Some of you wake up every morning and decide whether or not you're going to church. You wake up on Sunday morning and you go, "Mm, not today. I'm good. You know, it hasn't been a bad week. Devil must be leaving me alone. I don't need church today. I'm sure glad we made that decision a long time ago and I don't have to make that every Sunday morning. It's a non-negotiable. I got to make myself miss church. And that may seem a little bit weird to you, but it's just normal to me. When I say I really love being here, I really love being here. I really like you. I brush my teeth and put on cologne one time a week for you. Well, I I put on cologne once a week. I brush my teeth every day. You know what I'm saying. I tuck my shirt in on Sunday. Rest of the week is hanging out, covering up. I love you and I like being with you. And you know what the Bible says? It says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some. In this quest to follow Jesus, it's funny he didn't just call Peter and build his church just on Peter because he knew one day he was going to leave, the Holy Spirit was going to come, but Peter was going to need another brother. Right? Jesus never called us to walk by ourselves. He's called us to walk with other people. He's a relational God and he loves to build his church through relationships. Ever had a brother stop and pick you up off the ground? Ever have somebody come give you a swift kick in the butt when you're feeling sorry for yourself? Thank God for that person, right? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll read this from the message translation. 
You getting something yet? Read it from the message translation. It says this. Whenever, though, they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly, suddenly is like this, suddenly. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. Oh, boy, you got to get this. God is not wrapped up in the leather bindings of this book. We serve a living God, a God that is alive and well, a God that knows what's going on. He's still healing today. He's still delivering today. He's still raising the dead today. He is alive and he is well. And if you only know him in this book, then I feel sorry for you. Because in 1 John, it says that we've been given the right to have intimate experiential knowledge of God. That means that I need, I get the, the, the opportunity, the privilege to get up into the messiness, the ruts, the stuff with God and have an experience with him. That means I get to rub shoulders with God. I get to have intimate experiences where I get to see signs, miracles, and wonders. That's a privilege. It is a God-given privilege that Jesus gives me the right to hang out with a living God. He's more than this book. You need this book to recognize who you're hanging out with. But Jesus is not consumed in this book. And in those times, he wasn't chiseled on a stone. He's a living God. He's alive and well. And he's still moving today. He's still going places today. And he's wanting you to follow. He's planning on you following. He's setting you up. God, I'm telling you today, he is setting you up. If you will open your eyes and realize that you serve a living God who can set you up every day. Set me up for what, pastor? Set you up to see signs, miracles, and wonders. If Christianity is boring to you, then you've stopped following. When people say, oh, see signs, miracles, and wonders no more. Well, I guess not. You're 40 miles back. The dust has already settled on the signs, miracles, and wonders because you're not following close enough. How you know, Pastor? Because I've been 40 miles back. Because I've said, where's the signs, miracles, and wonders? Man, why we don't see signs, miracles, and wonders? Got to go to Africa to see a miracle. Does that mean God quit working in America? Did God quit working in Eunice? Is he mad at Eunice? Is he mad at the churches in Eunice and he won't perform any more miracles here? He's doing them every day. He's setting you up every day to get involved in the miracles, signs, and wonders. 
Sometimes a sign and wonder is you being nice to somebody. He's alive and well. He's working everywhere. All around us. And those that are involved in signs, miracles, and wonders are walking close. They're following close. They're on assignment. They live on mission. They're looking for opportunities. You know how you know when you're following close and you're looking forward to signs, miracles, wonders? It's when you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I got these plans. But you know what? I would rather follow your plans. So if your plans don't jive with these plans, let's go with your plans. It's when you go to make a decision and instead of just going by what you know, you go by the one who knows. And you submit yourself and you submit your plans and you submit your ambitions and your goals and your wants and your lustful desires. You lay those things down at his feet and you surrender. You see, to follow Christ, you have to constantly die to yourself because yourself wants to lag behind. Yourself wants to take a break. Yourself wants to tata. He wants to be tatad. Oh, Jesus, my feet hurt. You're looking at the brother next to you. Man, this, this walk with Christ is hard. Shut up. You're bringing me down. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, shut up. No, 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 no. That was weak. Look at the person next to you and tell them, shut up. Still weak. Do it again. Look at the other person next to you that you didn't want to tell, shut up, and tell them to shut up. You see, because when I said, shut up, some of you religious people got real mad. Oh, you, you can't say, shut up, pastor. Oh, no, you can't say, you can't. You need to learn how to tell the devil to shut up. And sometimes he speaks through other people. Negative man come in your life telling you what you can't do. Shut up. Jesus told Peter to shut up. Called him the devil. And you got an issue with me saying shut up in church. own bible so whenever though they turn to face god as moses did god removes the veil god removes the veil god pulls away the blinders god pulls away the thing that you're hiding behind when you come to christ he removes the veil listen to me he he, he's not trying to embarrass you he's trying to expose your darkness to light he removes the veil You're blinded by your own darkness. He removes the veil. The light comes rushing in. Your your pupils need to adjust. But then you're standing there face to face with God. The Bible says, with nothing in between you. What is it that's between you and God right now? What is that thing? Because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you right now. I'm just telling you. What is that thing that is between you and God right now? What is it? 
Is it trust? You don't trust him? Is it, is it a lack of faith, which is basically trust? Is it, is it hurt? Is it confusion? Is it maybe you're just being selfish? Is it selfishness between you and God right now? And the reason you can't see clearly and the reason you can't get close is because you feel selfish, because you want this and you want that, and it's all about what you want. Me, 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 me. What is it that's in between you and God right now? Whatever it is, listen, look at me. Come on, you got to get this. Look at me. Whatever it is, if it's fear, if it's worry, if it's doubt, just name it right now. Just say, Lord, it's this. Holy Spirit's revealing it to you right now. This is a participation part. See it, hear it, and expose it. And all you got to do is this right here. You just need to confess it, repent of it, and praise him for it. Confess it, repent, which means to turn away from it, and then praise him for it. Whatever it is, if it's selfish ambition, if it's conceit, if it's pride, if it's arrogance, if it's your reputation, Whatever it is, it is between you and God right now. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is exposing things in our lives. He's revealing light to your darkness. Right now, close your eyes, whatever you need to do. Close your eyes and whatever he's telling you it is, just say, Lord, I see it. I confess it. If it's pride, you just say, Lord, I'm prideful. Forgive me of pride. Remove it from my life. Lord, I turn from my pride. And Father, I humble myself before you. And Lord, I praise you. And I bless you. And I worship you. Because you just showed me what's standing between me and you. Deal with it. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is a personal pre- is, is, is and when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. In other words, the old way of living has to die. It don't work anymore. You've been trying it this long. How's it working for you? How's it going for you? Are you tired of the way life is treating you? Are you tired of the way that things are going? Then change something. Do something different. Your way doesn't work. It will never, ever, ever work. Only God's way works. That is so elementary. Only God's way works. God didn't make it a mystery. He didn't conceal it from us. He didn't hide it from us. His word constantly tells us that if you'll do what he says to do, you'll be successful. You'll prosper. You'll live a blessed, a fulfilling life. If you just follow him and not yourself. It's obsolete. We're free of it. All of us. 
Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. You see, you are intended to constantly change. If you remember, Jesus said you're you're a vine, you're a branch connected to the vine. A branch is constantly growing. A branch is constantly producing fruit, right? If it's connected to the vine. So when you're connected to the vine and you're in a healthy relationship with Jesus and you're following close, your face, listen to me, this is simple. Your face should get brighter and more beautiful. You know why? Because he's washing the ugliness of sin off of you. He's washing selfishness off of you. He's better than your makeup remover. That stuff's strong. How you ladies still got skin on your face, I have no idea. You're intended to change. You're intended to grow brighter and brighter, more and more into his image and not yours. We sing a song that says, less of me, more of you, right? We sing that song. Sometimes we lie when we sing that song. Because we're singing less of me and more of you, and we're hanging on to ourselves. Less of, we're like this, less of me and more of you, Lord. Less of me and more of you. Less of me, more of you, Lord. Right? You're intended to change. I love it when people come into our church and they get, they get off onto this relationship with Jesus. They give their life to Jesus and they begin to follow after him. I'm telling you, I want to do this so bad. Is when the, if, I, if I could do it without it being weird. If I could, when you come in as a guest, or maybe when you join a church, I get a Polaroid, just take a picture of you. And then wait about six or eight months later and watch you as you dive into a relationship with Jesus and take another polar and put them side by side. I'm telling you, you're prettier than you used to be. You're brighter than you used to be. You're not the brightest bulb in the box yet, so be humble. But you're becoming brighter and brighter. And that's that's good. That means you're on course. The the Bible says you're going to gradually become more and more like Christ. You're supposed to be changing. Miss Mary, don't ever stop changing. She can say, I'm old. I'm done changing. She would be tripping. Because God's not done with Miss Mary yet. She's still got more fruit to produce. Come on, somebody. He's not done with you yet. But pastor, you don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get back to where you belong. We're intended to be more and more like him. Not like us. We're called to die. Die. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to die. 
You need to die. You want me to help? Y'all want me to help? Anybody need help dying? I'm willing. We're called to become more and more like him. Go with me to Romans chapter 4 and then I'm going to wrap this up. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Romans 4.18. Getting something yet? Romans 4.18. So we've, we've established the fact that we're called to follow Christ and we're called to leave things behind and not carry too much baggage. If you remember the parable, and it wasn't even a parable, it was a story, true story, about when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. You remember that? He sent the disciples out two by two, and he says, don't bring nothing with you. Pastor Bubba used to, used to run a, 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 a program in Broussard before he started the church in Jennings. It's now called Master's Commission, but it's basically a discipleship program for young, young adults. And they would take them for two days and they would drop them off in the middle of Lafayette. No money, no bags, just the clothes on their back. And they had two days and they couldn't ask anybody for anything. <laughs> We're going to do that tomorrow. Who's going to sign up? I didn't think so. But Jesus told the disciples, don't bring anything with you. I wonder why. Because he's going to provide. The Bible says a worker is worthy of his wages. The disciples had the opportunity because they were empty handed to see the power of God like they'd have never saw if they had a $20 bill in their pocket. Come on. Money doesn't grow faith. Experience and hearing God's word grows faith. When you walk in an intimate experience with Jesus, with God, you grow in faith. When he shows up and he brings you something when you have nothing and you don't know where it's coming from, you go, Meshach, God is good. Right? God provided. You get excited. You start to tell a few people, man, God showed up. Woohoo! God showed up. But then the next thing comes, and this is where we all tend to head. We tend to go this direction. We forget what he did last time. Come on. And we sit and go, oh, I don't want to go through this again. God, why have you forsaken me? You feel like Jesus on the cross. My father, why have you forsaken me? Because you're $20 short on your bills. Oh, God, the world's coming to an end. God's mad at me. I messed up. You're, if you're a couple, he'll start trying, the devil will start trying to get you against one another. If you wouldn't have bought that fishing bait, we could pay the electric bill. Well, if you wouldn't have bought that dress, they wouldn't have repossessed the car. Man, y'all's junk's expensive. I ain't going to lie. It was a bait. Bait's ain't but $5. 
dresses is like $500. So anyway, it's my experience. Now, I don't know no better. I'm sticking to my story. But you freak out and you forget what God did last time. Right? When Jesus calls us to walk from faith to faith to faith. Are you seeing this? Not from failure to failure. He, he did the first miracle in your life so that you could believe him for the next miracle in your life. Because they say greater levels, greater devils. <laughs> greater levels, greater temptations. Greater levels, greater fear. But if you'll just leave that one foot planted on what he did last time and let that launch you to the next step, you're going to walk from faith to faith. And let me tell you something. God's good at getting quiet. He's real good at quiet. He'll get you going, man. Get your, get your engine all revved up, man. You got all this faith. You walk in. Woo! Fired up for Jesus. You, you, you tell them the stop signs at the stoplight about Jesus. You just, anything that'll sit still, you're telling them about Jesus. He gets you all fired up and then he gets quiet. We'll see how you're going to act. Are you going to freak out? Or are you going to stay the course? Abraham faced that. In Romans 4, it talks about Abraham. If you remember, Abraham was getting old and God, <laughs> every day he's getting older and older and God keeps telling you, you're the father of nations and he ain't got no kids. And he had the first baby. You're the father of nations. And in all of his natural senses, he couldn't see that what God was saying to him could ever come to pass. There was no inkling of anything that God's word was going to come to pass in his life. He's getting older and older by the second. His wife's getting older too. 100 years old. You're the father of nations. I mean, sooner or later, you kind of go, all right, God, seriously? I mean, like, for real? He had nothing to hang on to except his faith. And when you follow Christ, there's going to be moments where things get shaky and things get quiet. And you're going to get nervous. It's real. You're going to get nervous. You may get a little shaky yourself. And you may start wondering. But let me, wonder, let, me, let me warn you, don't wonder too long. Stay the course. If you don't know what to do next, keep doing the last thing he told you to do. It's, it's, it's like a good boss. A boss tells you, I want you to clean that ditch out. If he don't come back for three hours and you finish it in two, you keep tweaking the ditch till he comes back, right? That's what a good employee does. They keep tweaking the ditch. When he gets back, that's the best ditch you ever saw. Right? But as Christians, a lot of times, we get done with what God told us to do, or we think we're done, and we stop, and we go, 
Everybody around you goes, what you doing? I'm waiting on God. By the way, while you're waiting, nothing around you is happening. You keep doing what he told you to do the last time. He says, I want you to just go bless poor people. Keep blessing poor people. Right? Keep going. Abraham had that struggle. Abraham even fell. He went to his wife's mid-servant or, or maid-servant, and he, he produced something with her. But it was not of God. Verse 18 in chapter 4 says this in Romans. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. What is it in your life that you call dead? But God hasn't called it dead. What relationship have you given up on? That you were believing God to redeem, believing God to restore, believing God to rebuild. And you just threw your hands up and you say, you know what, it's done. What is that thing in your life? What is that dream in your life that you've gotten fed up with and you said, it's over. I'll never, I'll never, and you fill in the blank. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. I'll never get this. What is that thing that you call dead, but God hasn't called it dead? Whatever it is, just hang on. Just hang on. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Your faith can either bring glory to God or your lack of faith can bring nothing to God. Maybe even embarrassment to God. You know, people are watching you. You've heard me say this a hundred times. People are reading you more than they're reading the Bible. They, they know your faith better than you know your faith. They've seen your victories and remember them better than you do. And they're watching and they're making decisions in their life based on the decisions you make in your life. And if Abraham would have quit, if he'd have gave up, if he'd have stopped, where would we be? Where would we be? Look at me. Take a deep breath. Let it out. You know what that means? You're still alive. You still have hope. There's still a chance. It may seem small, but there's still a chance. Abraham, because he didn't quit, because he didn't give up, 
He failed. He failed. But he learned a valuable lesson. That failure is never final. I'm going to say it again. Failure is never final. God knew you was going to fail. He knew you would fall. Time and time again. He knew you would be reluctant to step in. He knew you would be nervous. He knew you would be scared. That's why grace came. He instituted grace before you had a chance to fall. Abraham fell flat on his face. He made he was going to build his own nation. God's not moving fast enough. Lord forgot about me, so I got to do this myself. It's all about me. I want it now. God ain't healed me fast enough, so I'm going to take actions into my own hands. God's not taking away the pain. So I'm going to use substances to deal with my pain because I just can't deal with it right now. I can't deal with this. God's not moving fast enough. God must have left me. He must be mad at me. I failed, so he left me. And he's mad at me, so now it's just me and myself. And the danger is that you start feeling sorry for yourself. And then you become a victim. And you start thinking that people owe you stuff. First you thought God owed you something. And now because he didn't show up, you're thinking that people owe you something. And so you're walking around putting your debt on people and your expectations on people to do something inside of you that you wasn't willing to wait for God to do. That you wasn't willing to follow close enough to Jesus to get it. It's just like a kid. Just like a toddler. When they throw a temper tantrum. If I could throw myself on the floor without hurting my back, I would do it. But that ain't ain't happening. Doc's not here. It just ain't happening. But they throw themselves on the floor because they don't like what's going on. And when we don't like what God's doing or not doing, we're the same way. <laughs> we're all just a bunch of babies. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm a baby. I catch a cold. I feel like heaven's mad at me. I'm dying. Oh, can you get this? Can you get that? Ask my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> That's why God doesn't let me get sick alone. It's grace for my wife. The Bible says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Your faith will bring glory to God. Your faith is powerful. Your faith makes stuff happen. Listen to me. Your faith activates things. Your faith starts the engine. Your faith gets things rolling. Your faith affects other people besides yourself. It affects you, but it also affects other people. And people are watching your faith. Or the lack thereof. The only way they're going to know that God is alive and real is by watching you and watching your faith. 
They know you're going through something, but they want to see how you're going to come out. They want to see how you're going to act in the middle of it. Are you trusting or are you freaking? His faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. You know what that means? The way it rolled out for Abraham is the same way it can roll out for us. You may be thinking that everything in front of you is dead. But if you'll just keep believing, if you'll just keep trusting, if you'll just keep pursuing, it will become alive. His son came. Abraham is the father of nations. His descendants are counted like the grains of sand on the beach. You're one of his descendants. You're one of the grains of Abraham. Come on, somebody. And everything that God did for Abraham, he is fully capable and willing to do for you. The only thing that stops God is the lack of faith. But it was for our benefit, too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Can you believe that? This morning? Can you believe that you can follow closely to Jesus all the time? Can you wrap your mind around that? Can you wrap your mind that he's, 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 he's called you to leave some things behind? Because he wants you to live a light life. He don't want you burdened and heavy and, and, and loaded down with stuff. He wants you light so that you can move when he says to move. And you can go when he says to go. Everything you need is in your relationship with Jesus. I'm just telling you today, everything. Bump your neighbor and say everything. Really? Really, pastor, everything? Yes, everything. It's in your relationship with Jesus. Your victory is in your relationship with Jesus. For you to overcome is found in your relationship with Jesus. Your freedom is found in Jesus. Your miracle is in Jesus. And he wants you to follow close. He don't mind you stepping on his heel. I used to follow my mom in the grocery store and she, she, the first time she let me push the buggy. It's the first time I ever got rebuked in the grocery store. You ever did that? You let your kids push the buggy and you're walking and you're looking for things and you stop and they're like, 
and boom, they hit you. Your, your Keely's right there and things come out of your mouth. It wasn't tongues. <laughs> Jesus don't mind you running into him. In fact, I think he likes it. He likes those encounters where we bump into him and we rub shoulders with him. That's where intimate experiences come. Can't be too far away. The further you are away, the less residue you get on you. Forensics says when you shoot a gun, there's, there's residue that gets on people. So if there's a murder, they go and they examine the person's hand or arm or clothes to see if there's gun residue on them. If you're too far away from Jesus, you're not getting any residue. He wants you to follow close. What's getting in the way? Is there something in the way? What is it that you need to confess? What is it that you need to repent of? And he wants you to walk by faith. And he wants to grow your faith. Because when your faith grows, his reputation grows. When your faith grows, his reputation grows. If you look around you and nobody's finding Christ, you need to check your faith. Need to check your faith. Come on, worship team. So this morning, I want a reaction is what I'm after. I'm after a reaction. I don't want your intentions. I want your actions this morning. What's your reaction to this today? Because listen to me, God didn't interrupt everything to not get a response. He didn't bring his presence here today to not whisper in your ear. He didn't come here today to to condemn you. If you're feeling that, you need to tell the devil to shut up. He came here today to lift you up, to bring you back into a place of relationship with him. I know the struggle. I know how hard it is to stay close. I know the weariness that comes when you're trying to be intentional and you're trying to do the right things and you're trying to follow Christ. I know the weariness that comes. It's the, the struggle's real for me too. But it's a daily decision to die to myself and to follow him. To die to myself and follow him. Where are you at today? What's your condition today? Lord Jesus, I just pray right now 
that the wind of your Holy Spirit would blow into this place right now in this moment, Lord. Blow, Lord. Your presence is here. Break open the hardest hearts this morning. Break open our minds and our hearts and our emotions this morning. Lord, I'm asking you to come in and remove the darkness in our lives and pour us and fill us with your light, your beautiful light, Lord. There's no shame here. There's no embarrassment here. Come and have your way with us this morning, Lord, I pray. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Blow, wind, blow. Just begin to blow. Won't you stand up with me this morning? Put your cell phone down. Put your purse down. Put your ink pen down. Put your Bible down. I just want to take a moment and I want to get real with God this morning. I just want you to get really real with God this morning. I don't want you to hold anything back. I want you to open up your life. I want you to open up your emotions, open up your mind, open up your your heart, open up your spirit to his presence and his power right now this morning because he's here. He's here. I'm telling you right now, he is here. He is so here this morning. Thank you for being here with us today, God. I don't want you to be embarrassed and I don't want you to be ashamed and I don't want you to be nervous. I don't want you to be freaked out. I just want you to come back. Come back today. Whatever's been in the way, whatever you're carrying that you're not supposed to carry, let it go. Let it go. Give it to him and let him deal with it. Today, right now, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Just let go. Let go and let God. It's simple. You just confess it. Lord, I've been carrying, and you fill in the blank. I've been carrying this too long. Lord, it's it's my best friend, and I'm tired of it. Lord, take it from me. I give it to you, Lord. Would you take this from me? You name it. Call it what it is. 
Call it what it is. Call it by its first name. If it's pride, call it pride. If it's fear, call it fear. If it's doubt and unbelief, call it doubt and unbelief. If it's addiction, call it addiction. If it's a messed up heart, call it a messed up heart. If it's stinking thinking, call it what it is. Lord, I've been wrapped up in this. Lord, this thing I've been carrying with me. Lord, take away my selfishness. Take away my arrogance. Take away my pride. Take away my fear. Lord, take take away this broken heart and give me a new heart. A new heart, Lord. Father, take this messed up mind and renew it, Father. Renew my mind. Lord, these hurts and these pains and these wounds and these scars, I lay them at your feet once and for all. I don't want to talk about them no more. I don't want to walk around with them no more like I'm trying to show everybody. Lord, I want to walk free of all this. I want to walk free of all this. I want to leave it behind and never go back to it again. I want to be done. If that's you this morning, just say, I want to be done. Lord, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I want off of this, this, this roller coaster that I've been stuck on. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for lagging behind. Maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me for becoming distracted. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for feeling sorry for myself. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord.